1: I've been looking for you, big brother. Will you please write a letter to Santa Claus for me? Well, I don't have much time. I'm supposed to get down to the school auditorium and direct a Christmas play. You write it, and I'll tell you what I want to say. Okay, shoot. Dear Santa Claus, how have you been? Did you have a nice summer? How is your wife? I have been extra good this year, so I have a long list of presents that I want. Oh, brother. Please note the size and color of each item and send as many as possible. If it seems too complicated, make it easy on yourself. Just send money. How about 10s and 20s? 10s and 20s? Oh, even my baby sister. All I want is what I have coming to me. All I want is my fair share.
2: Hi, everybody. This is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. Little China Grove today to start it off, and little uh, Sally and uh, Charlie Brown... Sounded like an entitled kid. Uh, you wouldn't know that that came from the 60s. You'd think it was probably something that came from uh, from the 2000s. Some millennial kids just send 10s and 20s, except for they'd be saying send 50s and 100s now. Hey, uh, lots of stuff going on. I have a lot to talk about today. I hope I get through it all. So uh, I won't. Uh, I won't go into the the thing about you. You know, hey, you guys are Christmas shopping, and you guys are dealing with the stress of uh, last weekend's uh, Christmas shopping. And uh, I heard some. I heard uh, someone uh, had a little road rage or something out there in uh, Paris, or uh, out there in Paris, and someone pulled into a little road rage and some guy got out of his car and stabbed some other kid because he stopped in front of him and because to avoid hitting it, it's you guys calm down, killed, killed some 19 year old kid in the Walmart parking lot. Uh, I think that was Thursday. You know, it's everybody just take a deep breath and say, goose fraba." You know, just have a little self anger management. Um, I don't know if I'll, I'll go into, I'll go into that anger management thing. Uh, uh, maybe another time but uh, cuz I got too much to talk about today. So before I go before I before I go on to everything I have to say let me introduce myself. My name's Ed Hoffman, president of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender located in Southern California, offices all over the place landing in California and Arizona, coming soon to a couple other states. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, and there are a lot of fantastic opportunities that are real estate, and uh, who knows what's going to happen when the tax reform passes, because we saw as soon as John McCain said he was going to vote for it, that that just got us one vote closer to it, and the stock market went crazy on Thursday. Um, if you're interested in getting involved in any of those opportunities and you need financing, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855 640 2020 and one last time day or night area code 855-640-2020 if you want to get in touch with me but you don't want to talk on the phone because you're calling from work and you're stealing time from your boss or you don't want me to hear your voice until uh, i tell you hey you qualify for anything you want go to wccloans.com click on the loan center click on apply now give me as much information as you want me to have tell me how much information you want back You'll hear back from either myself or one of my uh, teammates, and uh, we will uh, help you uh, find that missing piece to your real estate financing puzzle. Um, if there's any part of the show you want repeated, you can get the uh, get this repeated by going to uh, uh, edhoffman.net, E-D-H-O-F-F-M-A-N.net, um, and uh, go to the podcast page. You can hear, uh, hear this show as well as some uh, past shows and you can uh, listen to them anytime you want. You can also get the podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes, so you can have them. Uh, you can subscribe for free, have them download to your uh, device, your phone, your iPod, your iPad, your computer, whatever you listen to podcasts on, and uh, listen to them anytime you want. Um, so whenever it's convenient for you, for those of you that listen on AM590, uh, we changed from 9.30 in the morning until 10 o'clock in the morning, so now I'm on 10 o'clock in the morning and 9 o'clock at night. Uh, so, so I don't have to say 30 when I do my ads. Um, so, uh, so in case you thought, hey, how come I'm starting late? Because this is where I'm going to start from now on. Um, but again, if you're on a podcast, you can listen anytime you want. Uh, be sure to connect with the show on social media. Follow me on Twitter at Ed Hoffman, where I current tweet about current events all week long. Like the show on Facebook, facebook.com slash the main event at Hoffman. Um, and uh, if you want to leave comments, if you want to leave comments on the show, I probably should leave this till the end because you don't know if you have comments at this stage and it's, you know, I'm going to leave this till the end the listener hotline. There's, it's a little different than the other number. If you want to call about loans, 855-640-2020 wait till the end of the end, to, end of the, uh, wait till the second half. I'll talk about the listener hotline. Um, <clears throat> cause I want to hear your reactions from this show and you're going to go, Oh man, he really made me mad. I want to call, him, say something. And then, uh, you're going to go, I should have wrote that down at the beginning of the show. So let's talk about what's going on. The battle for the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. There's a showdown over the leadership of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau this week, which I'll re- refer to as the CFPB. Uh two people showing showing up to fill the position of acting CFPB director on Monday. Question is whether the job should go to President Trump's pick, uh, who's the office of uh, the the Office of Management and Budget director Mick Mulvaney or Leandra English who was named the acting director by Richard Cordroy when he did, when he resigned on Friday. So Richard Cordroy Richard Cordray was the um was the head of the CFPB. Richard Cordroy is a moron, okay? And uh I went and saw him at uh I went I saw him speak at a Mortgage Bankers Association conference and uh first time I heard him speak and it was in Washington DC and the first thing he said when he uh, came on the stage was the Affordable Care Act is going to save the housing industry in this country. And you could hear a pin drop when I said BS, except for I filled in the words. And my wife uh, quickly turned to me and gave me a quick punch in the face. I mean, a quick uh, elbow in the ribs. And and everyone turned around, and I just go, you guys are all thinking it. And uh, so, you know, how's it going to do that? How is the Affordable Care You know, this guy is just is a President Obama puppet. And uh, he made it his mission in life to punish everybody who caused the mortgage meltdown. So let's talk about how this thing got. Just give you a little background on it. So the mortgage meltdown that happened in 2008. Uh, you know, typically, typically the the Department of Real Estate, the National Association of Realtors has this has this affordability index. And what they do is they say when the price of homes versus the median income in a in a community when it hits 17. percent So as prices go up, less and less people can afford that that house. So when the median price of a house in Riverside or Los Angeles or wherever you're listening from, when the pr- median price of that house gets to a point where only 17% of the of the population can afford to buy it, then that's called the affordability the affordability index is at 17 and typically when it gets to 17% is when the prices start leveling off. So prices will go up 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 and hopefully hopefully uh Jobs and raises and all that stuff will keep up with it, so that you never get below seventeen percent. Because at seventeen percent historically, the the, um, the 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 prices start to plateau and then maybe even adjust down. So in two thousand and four, two thousand and five, um, when this when this uh, when this phenomenon actually happened, the prices didn't go down, and that was because uh, President Clinton and his head of uh head of uh of the House Financial Services Committee Barney Frank and his head of the Senate Banking Committee Christopher Dodd created this thing with Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac called subprime and the idea was If, uh, if at first you don't succeed, lower the standards, you know, if people can't afford to buy houses, just make it easier for them to, to, to qualify for a loan. And now that makes it, that makes, Hey, what look look at this. More people can afford homes. No, more people can qualify for loans, but they don't still can't afford them. Okay, you know, the banking, the banking mortgage industry for years has come up with these these formulas that say, hey, if you if you're under 31 percent on your front end ratio, meaning your house, your house payment divided by your gross income, you probably can afford that. And if you add your your car payments, your student loan payments, your credit card payments, and you're under 41, 45 in there, you're probably fine. That's probably within your budget. So. Instead of keeping those, hey, based on this, they don't qualify, let's do things called stated income. Hey, you know what? If you make five thousand a month and you need sixty five hundred to qualify, state your income at sixty five hundred. No ratio loans, where we'd hey we'd verify your employment, but we wouldn't uh, we wouldn't put down your income. No income, no assets. So you could you could do loans with hey if you got good enough credit. And I used to say there's income, credit, and equity. So if two if those are the three things that you qualify for for loan, I call it the ice the ice uh, theory. I income credit equity. So if your if your income is strong. And your credit is strong, and if your equity is strong, you have a good down payment. You get a great loan. If one of those is is weak, as long as the other two are strong, you get a loan, but probably not as good of a loan. And if you've got great credit, but your income doesn't, you can't you can't verify your income, and your and you don't have a down payment, you still get a loan if just based on the strength of your credit. So if any any one of those pillars is strong and the other two are weak, you still get a loan. You just don't get as good of a loan. So they started making these things easier. They start putting in prepayment penalties. So hey, you know, we can even make your thing we can even ensure that your lo- your loan's going to you're going to have better pricing by putting in prepayment penalties because the bank is going to get paid when you pay it off early. Um all kinds of stuff they did. And banks don't want to make bad loans. The banks don't want to make bad loans. So Fannie Mae, they they basically the Fannie Mae along with the Barney Frank and all these guys they they told uh, Fannie Mae hey they told all the banks hey if you don't sell 38% of your of your product line of all your 38% of your loans that you do have to be in these in these uh subprime loans meaning you're servicing the underserved the the lower income people if you're not moving 38 at least 38% of your portfolio in these products you don't get to sell to Fannie Mae which basically forced the banks forced all the lenders to sell this product or else they, or else they can't, if you can't do business with any me, you're not in the mortgage business very long because you run out of money. Okay. Hopefully I told, told that to you simple. So what happened, they came out with the, uh, after the, after the mortgage meltdown, basically, if you watch the big short, you can see exactly what happened and watch it four or five times. Cause there's a, you'll miss stuff. Um, but if you, uh, if you, uh, what they did is they had, Barney Frank, the guy, one of the guys who engineered the meltdown and Christopher Dodd, the other guy that engineered the meltdown. And you notice that they both, after they wrote this law, they both retired. They wrote the the Dodd Frank act, which passed about in 2009 or 2010. It was so complicated. It took all the way until October of 2015 to, to, uh, and to put into, to action. The last piece of it was, which was called Trid. Um, and the, uh, and, it was so confusing and it turned a good faith estimate from one page, very easy to understand to three pages. No one can understand. Cause we want to make sure that the consumer understands all this stuff. And what did it do? It made, it made so much bureaucracy in how you do and how you have to do loans, how disclosures have to be done, how, you know, the timing of this, the timing of that. And it made it so hard and so expensive to comply with these laws that guess what happened? Do you think, do you think uh, this helped the buyers? No, because say if you don't disclose the the if you don't disclose your your fees, if you disclose your fees at at a if there's a title fee at 150 bucks and uh, you disclose it at you know hey sometimes it's sometimes 175 bucks and sometimes 100 bucks so if you disclose it at 150 right in the middle if that fee happens to be 175 then mortgage company has to eat it so guess what everybody's fee went up to 175. So all the fees just raised up to the top because you had had everything, everything matched from the beginning. So, hey, just in case, we're just going to charge the highest rate. Everything got more expensive. The rates, the rates and you don't say, hey, the rates are great. Yeah, but the rates could have been a lot better because you had to put a bigger, a bigger profit margin to pay all that extra payroll. I'll tell you in in October to prepare for Trid in October 15th. Uh, uh, October of October first, two thousand fifteen. I put in an extra million dollars a year of payroll into our company to cover that. A million dollars of payroll, just to cover regulations. Didn't do anything to the loans. Only just added that cost in. And, and I'm a small company, you know, in comparison to to uh, some of the big big lenders. So imagine imagine what that is. And the CFPB's job. Was to fund themselves by by putting fines out there. So you you know the for Wells Fargo and Chase and Citibank and and uh, uh, I'll think of that Chase Citibank Bank of America and uh, I think GMAC basically should have put them out of business for as much gazillions of dollars that they paid in fines. And they and so what did this do to the consumer? Nothing. What did it do for the consumer? Nothing. It made everything get more expensive. Well, these people are watchdogging out there. You know, hey, Wells Fargo got all these fi- uh, fines for opening up extra accounts. So what? I have a couple of Wells Fargo savings accounts that I didn't know I wanted. Opened up a checking account and they added a savings account on it. Then I changed my checking account I had to a different kind of account. They added a savings account. And a little bit of money comes out of my account every, every month. It goes into my savings account, but I can just transfer it back in. But it's forcing some savings, so what? who cares? you know what so what who cares so so that's that's what they did so the c f p b made everything more expensive, and that doesn't include what it did to banks and every financial institution in this country so let me let me continue with uh keeping that in mind so uh so the stunning move um uh, Leandra English so so as Cordray steps down cuz he wants to run for governor of, of Ohio on the way out he said he he uh, promotes Leandra English as his lieutenant director and saying hey so the rules say that if he's gone the lieutenant director takes over well if he quits if you quit your job do you get to a point who takes your position I mean I have people that have have left and I say, hey you have to train your uh, train your replacement before you before you go um, but you know, if, if you just up and quit, guess what? If so, Hey, I want this person to take my place. Well, guess what? You're not in this company anymore. You don't get to make that decision. Okay. So, uh, so Cordray put, put, uh, one of his cronies, Leandra English to, to, uh, succeed him. And, uh, Trump said, Hey, wait, I don't want her to succeed him. I'm going to put one of my guys in there because I don't think CFPB is being run properly. So, uh, so he puts in Mick Mulvaney. Um, in a stunning move, English filed a lawsuit in D.C.'s U.S. District Court on Monday as an attempt to halt Mulvaney's appointment. She requested a temporary restraining order uh, to say, "Hey, hey, he can't come into CFPB. That's my job." People got people can, <laughs> I guess people can sue for whatever they want. Uh, on Tuesday, U.S. District Judge Tim Kelly denied her request. The Trump administration applauded the decision. It's time for the Democrats to stop enabling this brazen political stunt. By rogue employee and allow acting director Mulvaney to continue the the bureau's smooth transition into the agency that truly serves to help help consumers. Into um, let me let me rephrase that. Uh, What they said was it's time to allow acting director Mulvaney to continue the bureau's smooth transition into an agency that truly serves to truly serves to help consumers. White House spokesman Raj Shah said in a statement. So, you know what. They're a bureau that's supposed to help consumers, but they don't. All they do is is uh, make their own rules, and they don't answer to anybody but the president. And when the president wasn't Barack Obama anymore, guess what? Trump can do what he wants. So here's a reminder why we like uh, Mick Mulvaney. I like this guy. He's a straight talker. He talks talks English. He talks uh, common sense. And I liked him from the first day, first day I ever saw him on TV. Now this, this clip I got two clips here when he unveiled the office of budget no when he o- unveiled the office of budget management's 2018 budget titled the taxpayers first budget a new foundation for American greatness play the clip
3: as I read through it over the weekend as I did um, in fact we've been working on this since before uh, before I actually got here it, it struck me that the title should have been different that the title should have been uh, a taxpayer first budget um, because that's what this is. Um, And as I was trying to reconcile those two things, well it's called the New Foundation for American Greatness, but I wanted to call it the Taxpayer uh, First Budget. It struck me that that was what was really new, or one of the things that was new about this budget. Um, That we looked at this budget through the eyes of the people who were actually paying the bills. I think for years and years we have simply looked at a budget in terms of the folks who are on the the back end of the programs, the recipients of of the taxpayer money. And we haven't spent nearly enough time focusing our attention on the people who pay the taxes. Um, I got a couple questions yesterday, I know I will today, about compassion. (laughs) Compassion needs to be on both sides of that equation. Yes, you have to have compassion for folks who are receiving the federal funds, but also you have to have compassion for the folks who are paying it.
2: Exactly. When you do your monthly budget, Do you start out what we have to have or do you start out with how much do we have? How much do we bring in? What can we afford to spend? It's a little common sense. It may sound a little different than what we're used to, but guess what? You can't run your household that way. You can't balance your checkbook that way. You can't run a business that way and we can't run our government that way. Let me play another piece.
3: The last time we looked, we couldn't find a President Obama budget that balanced ever. I think he tried a couple times to convince us that primary balance, which was balance without regard for interest payments on the debt, was balanced. We reject that. We get to an actual balance on this budget um, within the 10-year window. It begins to reduce the size of the debt relative to the size of the economy in year one. Okay, Uh, that's 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 how important it was and is to this president to try and bring some fiscal discipline. Again, if you're looking through the perspective of the people who pay, you'd like to be able to tell them at some point in the foreseeable future, you're going to be able to balance. The previous administration completely gave up on that.
2: You know what? Uh, That makes complete sense. uh, Complete sense to me. Um, and I always said, "Hey, you know what? How come you know what? Uh, John Hannity talks about his penny plan—cut one penny for every dollar off off all the all the all the the costs of every program in the in the budget—and just do that a little bit, and we'll and we'll slowly cut everything down, cut everything down, and and we'll balance the budget. Why can't we balance it today? Hey, this is how much money's coming, and I, and I understand the first year we got to rebuild the military. We have a wall to build. We have a bunch of stuff that that uh, uh Obama Obama uh." It, uh ignored for 8 years that we have to beef up and we've got a problem with North Korea we have a problem we have problems and our military needs to be refueled and uh, rebuilt uh but and we're going to have to spend stuff on that but there's a whole bunch of stuff we can cut and we need to, but the biggest most important thing is re re uh, energize our uh our economy so uh Donald Trump president Trump The uh, tweets out the consumer financial protection bureau or CFPB has been a total disaster as run by the previous administration's pick. I agree. Financial institutions have been devastated and unable to properly serve the public. We will bring it back to life. You know what? We don't need to bring the CFPB back to life. We need to bring the industry back to life by getting the CFPB away from us. One of the complaints from the people supporting Leander English has been, and let me, let me just give you a point the consumer financial protection bureau is not supposed to be a partisan kind of organization, but you know, whenever you, whenever you donate, if, if you've donated any political causes, you know that they send you a form to fill out, you know, what's your name, what's your, uh, what's your, uh, your age, what's your, your, uh, who do you work for? What's your, uh, what's, what's your job? What do you do for a living? And, uh, and they keep, and they keep track of that data somewhere. um, the amount of political donations to the democratic party and democratic candidates, 593 compared to one out of everybody that came from the consumer financial protection bureau, 593 donations to democratic, uh, uh, candidates and, and, uh, uh, political action committees to one Republican. You know, I could understand, Hey, 400, 400, to Democrats and, uh, and 394 to, uh, 394, 294 to the, or, you know, 500 and 100, but 593 and one, I think they were, uh, they were on a mission there and how they, how they staffed up that, that organization just wasn't right. Um... So the, people, the complaints from people supporting Leander English has been that Mulvaney once called the CFPB a sick, sad joke. Well, that's because that's what it is. Here's a comment, here, here is his comment in entirety, which he made back in 2014 when he was a congressman from South Carolina.
3: It's a wonderful example of how a bureaucracy will function if it has no accountability to anybody. Um, it turns up being a joke, and that's what the CFBB really has been, in a, in a, in a, in a sick, sad kind of way, because you've got an institution that has tremendous authority over what you all do for a living, over your businesses, over your members, um, but there's very little that your elected members of, of, of government can do to help you, to protect you against, say, overreach or abuse by that institution.
2: Yep, that's exactly right. I agree 100%. Here's the outgoing director, Richard Cordroy, uh, Cordray whining about why he should have been able to decide who got the job.
0: I think it's clear in the law, which says that the director of the agency, and that was me as of Friday, uh, has the right and, and in fact has the duty to pick a deputy director. I did that. It's Leander English. And then it says that the deputy director shall serve as acting director when the director is unavailable, as, for example, through a vacancy, which happened uh, when I resigned Friday night.
2: Well, boo-hoo. You know, you leave an organization, you should be able to to uh, appoint anybody you want as long as you're there. When you leave, all bets are off. The 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 boss out there is the, the president. And here's the man we have to thank for the CFPB in the first place, former congressman Barney Frank. He came out came out of retirement to chime in on uh, the Communist News Network.
0: If you look at the record of the CFPB, I think it is very relevant. There's not a single criticism of a single action they have taken that says they went too far. And the reason, by the way, they want to give examples is they would then have to defend overcharging on credit cards or abusive student loan collections, etc. Nothing could be more contradictory to Donald Trump being the, the, the friend of the little guy than trying to undermine the most effective agency for the consumer in the financial area we've ever had.
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a bunch of bull. Uh, their effectiveness is zero. I'll talk a little more about that in part two. But right now I'm out of time for part one of the main event. Hang loose for uh, some commercials and some traffic, and uh, we'll be back in five minutes with part two of the main event. And welcome back to part two of the main event. My name's Ed Hoffman, president Wholesale Capital Corporation. I don't talk a lot about mortgages and real estate and finance and all that stuff on the show because I find that you guys might think it's boring unless you're in the market for it. But if you're in the market to refinance your house, to uh, buy a new house, to buy a vacation home, to buy an investment property, or if you're over 62 and you've been hearing a lot about that reverse mortgage thing, that Tom Selleck guy is on TV all the time and he's talking about reverse mortgages. If you want someone to talk straight and tell you what the good and the bad about it is, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. 855-640-2020 one last time day or night 855-640-2020. If you want to get any of that financial stuff, 855-640-2020. Hey, um we've been talking about um the C- Consumer Financial Protection Bureau and before I go uh before I go farther the last clip I I played was Barney Frank saying, "Hey, there's no record of the overreach from the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau." Well, you know what? I'll just tell you one little story. Remember uh, that little company called Countrywide, a little company that uh, gave. While the rates were like six and a half, they gave Do- uh, Christopher Dodd, uh, a friend of friends of Angelo, uh, one of uh, Angelo Mazillo, the Countrywide uh, guy, the guy who owned it. Um, they gave him a three percent, thirty-year fixed rate. When rates were six and a half, how did how was he able to get that? I don't know. There might be some collusion going on there between uh, things going on between the uh, between Christopher Dodd in the Senate Finance Committee and uh, Angelo mozillo So when uh, Countrywide went went bust, they uh, they kind of kind of uh, what's a, I leaned on Bank of America and pressured them to buy the company because it was too big of a portfolio for anybody else. Bank of America came in and ever since then. They've been going after Bank of America to sue them for, for violations for this company that they were forced to buy and keep suing them and suing them and suing them and suing them and suing them. And suing them. You hardly see any, any involvement in Bank of America in the mortgage industry anymore. So uh there's been a ton of overreach. There's been a ton of overreach. I could I could spend three shows on it and fill it all up. So uh so let's let's stop talking about that. Let's talk about something that is really angering everybody. And that's uh, what happened in San Francisco on Thursday. Jose Ines Garcia Zarate. Jose Ines Garcia Zarate. A Mexican citizen who was scheduled to be deported for the sixth time before he fatally shot 32-year-old Kate Steinle in 2015 in San Francisco was acquitted by a jury on Thursday. Unbelievable. You know what? He's still in jail for, uh, for... uh, weapons possession and having been a felon having been a felon uh that was deported five times they actually took him out of the country and put him back in mexico and he came right back over the border and he went right up back to san francisco because they're a sanctuary city i'm sure people are happy they're living there and uh here's zaradi's defense deter- defense attorney because you know everyone's everyone went crazy when they when they acquitted him hey he shot the gun. This lady died. He's an illegal alien. Apparently, there wasn't the whole there wasn't a whole uh whole bunch of testimony about the fact that he had a history of being a felon, that he'd been deported five times, and why was he there? And uh, we'll talk about talk about some of the other things. But but uh, here's his attorney, uh, Matt Gonzalez, using his press conference time as an opportunity to attack President Trump and Vice President Pence.
1: Oh.
0: Might criticize this verdict.
3: There are a number of people that have commented on this case years the Attorney General of the United States, the President and Vice President of the United States, let me just remind them that they are themselves under investigation uh, by a special prosecutor in Washington, D.C., and they may themselves soon avail themselves of the presumption of innocence and beyond a reasonable doubt standard. And so I would ask them to reflect on that before they comment or disparage the result in this case.
2: Yeah, they're under investigation. Let's just let's just divert the attention. Isn't that right out of Hillary Clinton's uh, book? You know, this has been debunked for many times. And look at what Trump is doing with he's getting involved with the Russians. What's that have to do with your emails? The Russians? Oh, but the Russians are the ones that stole the emails. Well, does that mean the emails were uh, were wrong? Does that mean that they weren't on a on a private server? You know, they just divert the attention. Hey, the people that have caused the uh, investigation were all the Democrats that are trying to divert attention from themselves, and who who's turning out to be the ones uh, that they're finding did wrong things? Uh, the Democrats, who's uh, involved with the Russians, the Democrats, Hillary Clinton, who's paying for all this stuff that caused them to uh, investigate the Democrats, Hillary Clinton, paying people to create a phony dossier, starting the investigation. Who's who's it all? Who's it all? Uh, blowing up in their faces, the Democrats. <clears throat> but let's just let's not worry about we're we're mad at. It. Hey. If I had done that, I'd be in jail for life. I'd be in the electric chair, okay? But for some reason, people in California feel like we have to defend illegal aliens more than we defend Americans. It's no longer a time where you could be safe as an American citizen in your own country. Um, Here's Fox's Claudia Cowan explaining what uh, what the judge chose not to allow the jurors to hear about Zarate. If they'd been allowed to hear these things, I wonder if their verdict would be any different.
4: There was no testimony about uh, the defendant's criminal history or the fact that he was a multiple felon and deportee on track for his sixth deportation from the United States. The jury was not allowed to consider any of that. And uh, the defense really uh, painted a case here that this was an unintentional discharge of a loaded weapon that happened to be on a a popular tourist pier on July 1st in 2015. And but for the ricochet of the bullet, Kate Steinle um, would still be alive.
2: Yep, it's not it's not Zerati's fault. It's the gun's fault. Oh, wait, it can't be the gun's fault this time. It's the Ricochet. If it wasn't for the Ricochet, he wouldn't have killed anybody. You know, and I, and he's had all these different different intentions, all these different stories. Well, uh, I didn't mean to shoot the gun. It was wrapped up in a shirt because uh, uh, it was just stolen from somewhere right there. And, uh... And the uh, and uh, you know the the trigger accidentally went off. And then I heard one time he stepped on the gun, he accidentally tripped, he was trying to trying to move it out of the way and it tripped and the gun went off. And then one time, wait, he was aiming at some sea lions. <sighs> this angers me. It should anger you. Uh and you know when they start talking about, hey, do we need a wall we don't need a wall, just leave the the things open. This guy shouldn't have been here. Here's commentator Mark Stein. Summing this up, uh, summing up this truly deplorable situation. This go.
1: guy had a this guy had a grade two education. Uh, we're told that the reason he got off is apparently because he's too stupid to understand what the cops were saying to him. Uh, so he gave conflicting uh, uh, answers about treading on the gun, finding the gun, uh, the firing at sea lions. He didn't understand why. Why are we importing? And why is one political party, the entire bureaucracy, and two thirds of the remaining political party, fetishizing and sentimentalizing uh, immigrants who can't speak the language with a grade two education and setting up competing jurisdictions in this country that protect them at the expense of American citizens.
2: Exactly. Hey, you know, here's the question I have. Is it legal to fire your gun at sea lions? I bet you it's not. I was going to Google that before I came in before in front of the mic, but is it legal to fire your gun at a sea lion or a seal? And if you've been up to uh, San Francisco and been on uh fisherman's wharf, you know that there's these, uh, these, uh, I don't know what they're called. They're platforms out there and they're just covered with sea lions and laying in the sun and staying warm while they sleep. And then they dive in the water and go get something to eat. And then they, you know, they're all over the place. Um, why would someone be aiming a gun to try to do that? But you know what? I guess jurors in San Francisco will believe anything. They will believe anything. So uh, that's... I'm I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed in, in our justice system here. And uh, I guess uh, O.J. Simpson has moved to number two. And I don't know. He he was pretty... Uh, I'll just put this right up there with the O.J. Simpson verdict. You know what? Now I now I can believe anything. So uh, what else happened this week? Sexually harassing senators. What now? This week, sexual sexually harassing uh, Senator Al Franken and Congressman John Conyers returned. Well, well, uh, Al Franken returned to work. Uh, John Conyers was hospitalized due to a stress related disorder. I don't know. Is being in Congre- Congress when you're 88 years old after 52 years? Everybody finding out that you're a little, you're a little uh, you're a little sexual pig that you're uh, you're a pervert um, being all over the news does that make you get high stress high blood pressure? Have you seen this guy in the on the TV he can hardly even stand up straight maybe it's time you step down there buddy upon returning to the Senate on Monday, Al Franken gave this apology all the liberal to all the liberals that he uh, let down by grabbing women's bodies on camera. Uh, I just want to say a few words before I I get back to work. Uh, I know that I've let a lot of people
1: down, uh, people of Minnesota, my colleagues, uh, my staff, my supporters, and everyone who has uh, counted on me to be a champion for women. To all of you, I just want to uh, again say I am sorry I know there are no magic words that I can say uh, to regain your trust and I know that's going to take time I'm ready to start that process and it starts with going back to work today so um, now I'm gonna take a, a, a few questions
2: because I'm good
1: enough I'm
2: smart enough and
1: doggone it people like me
2: yeah, well, people don't like you anymore, Stuart Smalley. Hey, uh, you know what? I know it. I know it. I, I know it's gonna be uh, a, a tall, a tall, t- tall, uh, uh, a tall thing to to get your to your uh, your trust back. Guess what? You're not getting our trust back. And maybe you should go back to work on Saturday Night Live because I liked you better when you were on Saturday Night Live because you were good enough, smart enough, and people did like you on that. <clears throat> because we didn't care what you did in your personal life just make us laugh for an hour and a half. So as far as as far as John Conyers he has yet to make an on camera apology but the pressure is mounting for him to resign Nancy Pelosi Nancy Pelosi Conyers boss in the Congress wasn't convinced at first here she is defending uh, Conyers on meet the press. We are
4: strengthened by due process. Just because someone is accused and and was it one accusation is it two i think there has to be john conyers is an icon in our country he has done a a great deal to protect women violence against women act which the left wing, right wing is now quoting me as praising him for his work on that and he did great work on that
2: well i I had to pick up two things just because you're accused you've got to have due process what about roy moore i don't know he's just being accused and i've been in uh being a judge and and holding the uh, offices for like 40 years and uh no one said anything until a month before the election at senator that is a big dadgum gum deal for the the democrats i don't know just maybe he is maybe he was a pig when 40 years ago but maybe he was a maybe he was a little uh, uh i don't know i don't even know what what you call a call a guy like that Um, if he did everything they said he did, um, most of it, most of it didn't sound that too terrible. It sounded like what I remember as dating, um, back in the day, but you know, and it sounded like 14 year old girls, 16 year old girls, 18 year old girls trying to look older. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but, uh, but there's certainly a double standard and he's an icon. He's an icon in Congress. Well, does that mean that if you're an icon, you're above the law? Because that didn't seem to work for when uh, when Donald Trump got caught on a on an open mic. Because I have to say, you can't deny Donald Trump is an icon. Even before he was president, you said Trump. You knew exactly who anybody was talking about. He epitomized the uh, 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 real estate development uh, capitalist. You know, you knew Donald Trump. What what you're talking about when you t- say the name Donald Trump? And uh, but, you know, Pelosi got so much blowback from uh, from defending him that even liberals in the media uh, from even the liberals in the media that by Thursday she was singing a different tune.
4: Congressman Conyers should resign Uh, as dean. Congressman Conyers has served our, our Congress for more than five decades and shaped some of the most consequential legislation of the last half century. However, zero tolerance means consequences for everyone, no matter how great the legacy.
2: Yeah, what a difference four days makes. 96 little hours. All right. So anyway, there's my singing voice. Uh, and you know, is it's amazing that uh, when it happens in Hollywood, Hollywood is just jumping in front of it. You know, Matt Lauer, Harvey Weinstein, um, Kevin Spacey, all these guys are just... Getting wiped out. You know what's funny is Kevin Spacey's in a was in a movie called uh, uh, All the Money in the World that's coming out this month, and it was and he plays J. Paul Getty. And I saw the previews for it, which means they don't put out those those uh, trailers in the movie theaters until the movie's finished. Hey, the movie is finished. They've done all the editing. It's done. And and uh, Sony Pictures replaced him, so they met, They went back and and uh, and reshot every scene that Kevin Spacey was in using Christopher Plummer. I mean that's that's commitment. I have to give him I have to give him the credit for that. Uh based on the trailers I've seen, I think Kevin Spacey would have done a better job. But Kevin Spacey's a child molester. So but you know what the government nobody stepped down. And you know that uh one of the one of congressmen from uh from I'm not I'm not gonna remember his name. He's a Hispanic guy from uh Illinois who's thinking about he says he's stepping down from uh, uh, from being a congressman so he can run for uh, possibly mayor of Chicago or governor of Puerto Rico, Luis Gutierrez. So he's, uh, he, hey, how can you choose between mayor of Chicago and governor of Puerto Rico? Where do you live? But you know what I say? These guys are stepping down because they know it's coming. Hey, this uh, Washington D.C. thing is no fun anymore. You know what? We get busted. We don't get away with anything. You know, we had this one point seven million dollars we spent on keeping it quiet about how we treated the girls in the in here. We don't even get that anymore. What's up with this? That's why people are stepping down. This is part of drain the swamp. Make it uncomfortable. Make it uncomfortable for people to, to be in the swamp. You know what if the if the alligators and the and the the swamp creatures like it nice and cold, just turn the heat up. Just turn the heat up on that water until they don't want to be in there anymore, and they go somewhere else. That's how you drain the swamp, or cool it down if they like it hot. I don't know. So anyway, that's just uh, just my opinion. So uh, what else is going on this? What else has gone on this week? Uh, Las Vegas uh, massacre. Notice how that went kind of out of the uh, out of the high. You know, hey, that's all we talked about for a couple weeks, and now we don't even remember it. We don't even care about. It. Well, there's 58 families that probably uh, still remember it. Um, and there's even even more now. Recently, there have been two developments in the Las Vegas shooting event. The first one was tragic. Another shooting survivor has died under mysterious circumstances. This is the fourth survivor to die. So if you remember, first, there was a, a girl in Apple Valley who uh, was on Facebook and trying to organize a, a, a uh, witnesses to get together and compare their stories. And she mysteriously died in her sleep. And of course, she had some kind of a heart a heart defect or something. But as soon as her husband left, you know, she died in her bed and, uh, but, and she was vocally saying, Hey, something's wrong here. What's going on on what there was more than one shooter. And I know for a fact, what they're saying on TV is BS. And uh, she turned up dead. And then there's a couple in Marietta, California, in the area called La Cresta, which is uh, really nice houses, really nice custom homes. And uh, they drove out of their driveway at like 11 o'clock at night and uh, bumped into wrought iron fence and a pillar, which was probably pillar of wrought iron. And their Mercedes, which I can't imagine, uh, you know, if you could afford to live up there, he's not probably a very old Mercedes, burst into flames. It didn't just, hey, you know, it had a little, it got rear-ended in the, in the, and the gas tank exploded. It bumped into a wrought iron fence and exploded into flames, and those people died. And then uh, now we have, uh, now we have Roy McClellan. Let me play this clip. I'm angry.
4: I feel that he probably was under the influence of something or drunk and didn't want to get caught. So he bailed and left my husband laying there in the street. It's the outcome Denise McClellan could have never predicted. A hit and run driver plowing into her husband as he walked on the highway in Pahrump. I think if I could have done differently, maybe he wouldn't have been on that road. It happened a week ago along Route 160. Roy McClellan hitchhiking just weeks after surviving the Route 91 shooting massacre. It was just ear piercing. And I was like, oh my gosh, what is that noise? This is horrible. As round after round of bullets were unloaded into the crowd below Mandalay Bay, Denise and Roy ran for their lives, Roy stopping to help people along the way. It was really messing with his head, and he was going to therapy. Less than seven weeks later, tragedy struck again. This is not what I wanted for him. I don't understand why he wasn't taken at the shooting. But a month later, he gets taken this way.
2: Yeah, so for those of you that didn't figure out what happened, Roy McClellan lives in Pahrump, Nevada. He's at a stop sign, and somebody runs him over. And uh, nobody knows who did it. You know, it's just... uh... I don't know what connect what what his uh role in the uh in the uh what kind of role he played in the attack or in the uh in what was going on was he was he active in in keeping this thing alive but uh, uh I just don't know I just don't know but it just seems it seems kind of coincidental it sounds kind of like a Clinton thing you know people that happen to be involved in a particular event that we don't want people to hear the truth about just keep showing up dead just I mean I know there was a lot of people there so it could happen to a lot of people but you know what you know what it's just too much coincidence for me and I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist and uh, people call me uh, what's that guy that uh, has all the conspiracy theories um, Adam, somebody, Alex Jones. I don't want to be Alex Jones. And cause I haven't really heard, I haven't really paid attention too much to what he says, but I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist on here, but just, you know what? I know ha- what happens when you cross paths with the Clintons and something just seems fishy about Las Vegas. Something seems fishy. You know, I still wonder about that 777 that got Malaysia airlines that just disappeared. Something's fishy. Somebody knows something they don't want anybody to know. So the next event that happened and related to the Las Vegas event, uh, happened on Tuesday when a gunman with a hostage opened fire from the eighth floor of the montage condominium tower in Reno onto the streets below. No injuries were reported, but sporadic shots were heard from the building for at least 20 minutes. He, uh, must've taken his gun, uh, his, uh, his shooting lessons from, uh, uh, Harry Dunn from dumb and dumber. You're a really bad shot. uh, so he he shot out of the window down on the and no uh, no injuries after 20 minutes later it was reported that the condo the condo unit the gunman was firing from was owned by the late Vegas shooter Stephen Paddock until December 16 the man died Tuesday after the SWAT team descended on him uh, while he was barricaded at the Montage his name has still not been released he's been described only as a young adult what question am I asking. Everybody, say it out loud, roll down your windows, and all together now, was this guy a Muslim? How come they're not releasing his name? Because they don't want it to be attached that there's some ISIS connection. We'll find out soon enough. We'll find out soon enough, but it just seems like there's a... I'm interested in finding out. I just want to find out, was this guy a Muslim? I mean, why was he up there in that? You know what? Maybe he was a Muslim. Maybe he's connected to ISIS. Maybe ISIS was connected with uh, with uh, Stephen Paddock, or maybe Paddock was really the undercover guy. That was a that was a one of the conspiracy theories that uh, maybe he was part of the CIA and the ISIS found out he was undercover and they killed him and they carried out the 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 um, the shootout and they got away. I don't know. Could be wrong, but something something fishy here. Something's really fishy here. Hey, um, I'm almost out of time, so uh, let me just give you the uh, listener hotline phone number. So if you got, if you have an opinion on this, the Las Vegas thing, uh, John Conyers, uh, Nancy Pelosi, uh, or the CFPB, or you just want to call and say say uh, you don't like me, 855-640-2092. That's the listener hotline, 855 640 Twenty ninety two. now's the time the show is done if you want if you have a comment anything i said call there record your voice and maybe i'll put it on the radio next week if i don't have as much to say i'll squeeze it in hey guys have a great uh, christmas shopping weekend my name's ed hoffman thanks for listening to the main event and i'll be back again with you